Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I talk about players to watch during training camp. We all know Patrick Mahomes' brilliance, and of course the offensive line will be under the microscope, but there are some under-the-radar players to watch. Uh, but first, Joe, speaking of training camp, sounds like you know the two-a-days under Marty Schottenheimer might have uh, prepared you for this past weekend here. They definitely did, Jeff. Even though it was, you know, what, 25 years ago since my last training camp, uh, you know, I still feel the the in-shapeness of going through a Marty camp. I moved my daughters into a, a five-story walk-up, a fifth-story walk-up yesterday in 90-degree Philadelphia humidity, uh, you know, and I'm telling you, I feel great because I've been through a Coach Schottenheimer training camp. If I, <laughs> I think if I had been through – a today training camp. I won't call them Andy Reid training camps because the coaches have no control over, no, you know, over, over what happens. Cause I got to tell you, Jeff, I was looking at the training camp schedule. I can't believe what a training camp schedule looks like right now. And it's There's out there for no two a days anymore. There are, there's none. Like, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm sure maybe they'll have, they're allowed to have walkers. I got to be honest. I don't really know. Um, but you know, they, they may have some walkthroughs and things like that, but you know, one practice a day with no more than five in a row, holy cow. Like I was looking at the schedule and it's like practice nine fifteen, practice nine fifteen AM practice nine fifteen, no practice. And then there's like five practices during the morning, no practice. And it's like, holy cow. Like the, the, the chiefs are going to go into, if my math is correct, 13, practices before they play their first preseason game against the 49ers. And that is just crazy to think back to what we went through with coach Schottenheimer, where my rookie year, we did 13 two a days in a row without a break. And crazy jokes aside, Joe, like, um, you know, when we're talking about the move, is that something though that haven't gone through that, it, it, it's kind of like, I know, if, if you were uh, to make a comparison, like having done Navy SEAL training or something, in the sense of, like, can you go through life and be like, whenever you have something really arduous to do, kind of look back, well, if I could get through that, you know, then a- anything is easy. Is that Jeff, Jeff, seriously, all kidding aside, absolutely. You know, your body is full of muscle memory, you know, and you just, like, I started the move yesterday. You know, I picked up the moving truck at like 6 a.m., which, you know, that was wake-up call for a Coach Schottenheimer training camp, you know, for the first <laughs> practice. And they'd come banging on the door to wake you up. And um, it was funny because real quick real quick aside, and I'll get back to the, the whole me- muscle memory thing. But like at training camp, we used to have our security guards would wake us up in the morning. And your veteranship determined where you were it, at River Falls, Wisconsin, on the floors. So when you were a rookie, you were generally on the fourth floor. Right, so nobody wants to go up four steps. Yeah. And then as you got more veteranship, you moved your way down. And what the security guards did is they started the wake-ups on the fourth floor. So, you know, by the time you got to the second – by the time they got to the second floor, you could hear the banging on the door, bum, 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 wake up, 
boom, 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 wake up. And then you couldn't hear it third and fourth floor when you were a veteran and you were down on the first or second floor. But then as it got closer, you'd hear him coming and you just like, you'd start having these like, like almost like it felt like a nightmare, right? Like you're waking up from a nightmare. Like you hear the boom, 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 wake up. Cause you feel like you just went to sleep. And so, but no, but all kidding aside, Jeff, you know, muscle memory is a lot in sports and in life, right? When you've been through something to test your body, you know, I'm obviously getting older. So I do feel the effects of something like that, you know, the ups and downs of steps and lifting and lugging stuff around. But I, I do think there's a lot to be said for that, where you just kind of think back mentally and physically what you were through, what you went through, and your body just kind of like starts to react. Even though I'm not in one tenth of the kind of shape I was in, you know, in the early nineties, I still do feel like my, my body can, my body can cope with certain things. I mean, I remember going on this crazy hike, um, you know, with my family and, and, and I lost my, I lost the keys to our vehicle and I couldn't find them. So I, you know, we did a, we did like a three and a half mile hike up and down and I didn't know where the keys were. And it took us about three and a half hours to do that hike at a pretty like good pace, but not like leisurely, you know, you're hiking, right? I, I did the, I actually looking for the keys. I redid the hike by myself and left my family at our vehicle that where I was the, I was the one, one that lost the keys. So I was going to hold myself accountable. And I did that hike in about an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. And I just did it. Like, I didn't even think about it. Like, so, cause really I do think that once you've been through something like that, you know, where you, you've been through Marty ball, you just kind of like, you just kind of like know how to handle stressful situations. That, that's great stuff, Joe. Great story there. Uh, and we'll get to more of the current uh, Chiefs players for preparing for the current training camp. But first, a word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the first face-off, tip-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, Joe, I kind of want to talk about some players to watch. Again, we, we know about the offensive line shake, shake up and the, uh, everyone's going to be focused on that. But there's like some very interesting uh, players on this roster. I, for Forbes, I, I wrote about Jarek McKinnon, and he's one of the guys I'm really interested in, in seeing. Because the last a couple years, Brett Veach has done a really good job of bringing in kind of uh, big-name running backs on one-year deals. He had LaShawn McCoy and then Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't end up really working out. He showed some flashes. But LaShawn McCoy, though, he didn't do much in the postseason. People forget he started a lot early in the season. And if it wasn't for his contributions when um, Damian Williams was kind of hurting, you know, they might not have piled up those wins and, uh, and, and ended up uh, with a bye. Jerk McKinnon, I'm really interested with. He was a very good player with the Vikings and then missed – so good that he signed a four-year, $30 million with the Niners. Missed two of those years with uh, knee injuries. But last year, when they had a lot of injuries, showed uh, looked really good again. And he also looked very good 
in minicamp, though, that is more of a passing camp. He's the guy I, I want to see. Does he end up as a change of pace back? Does he end up as a third down back? We, we know Edwards Hilaire is going to be the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on him or maybe some guys like that that you're interested in uh, in, in really kind of seeing how they do in training camp? I think that was a great analysis of, of him. So I'll, I'll, I'll move on to maybe a different player or some other players and maybe even a different, you know, maybe look way of looking at it. And I love, I love the way that you're looking at that as a, as far as the competition goes and how this roster gets rounded out. I always like to look at when it comes to this time of the year, I want to see number one players who, who were hurt, right? Like maybe at the end of the season or can they recover? Right. And of course, you know, uh, of course, you know, of course you, you know, you're thinking about, um, uh, you know, people like DeAndre Baker, mm. right? You know, like, is it, is it some, is it something that he can come back for from, you know, he's going into his second year. Um, you know, is it, is it something that he, you know, can he, I mean, breaking your femur is, especially on the fact that it was a non-contact play, like, is that something he's going to be able to come back from, right? Is that something when the, when the, when the, when it hits the fan, you know, is he going to be able to, to really recover from that? So I think it's, it's players that are, you know, kind of working off injuries, right? I mean, even to a certain degree, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes had off-season surgery, so that's going to be something to kind of watch, Right. I mean, that's that's going to be something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on uh, any player that has surgery. Kyle Long will be one. I know we've talked a lot about the offensive line, but he's going to be one. Right. How how soon can they get back him, get him back and healthy, you know, especially with, you know, an aged body now that he's going into his you know eighth year. Um, I also like to look at players that are in that three to five year range. Because those are the make or break years, right? I mean, those are the years, you know, we all know when the actuaries do the analysis that, you know, the average NFL career is 3.3 years and, you know, all that stuff. And so there's that sweet spot of, am I going to, am I going to be a long-term player? Am I going to play for eight, nine, 10 years, or am I going to run out close to the average, right? Um, of that, say, three to five year range. So I always like to look at, at players that are sort of in that, uh, in that range as well. Um, you know, players who are, you know, looking to make the roster because, you know, not because, not because they're not talented, just because of the numbers crunch. You know, Mike Hughes is, a, is, a, is, is one of the guys that comes to mind for me, right? I know he was a, a recent trade acquisition. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the competition, um, you know, cause he's in that sweet spot of, of, of range, right. That four year player that, you know, you start hitting salary cap minimums, you know, for, um, th- for the veteran minimums. And it's either I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be worth that money or I can fill the roster out with two or three of those players who are making each a third of what that player is right? Those one to two year players who, who might be making a third of what a, you know, what a Mike Hughes might make. So those are really what I like to look at. I like, especially at training camp, right? We're all going to know how the, probably we could all guess for anybody who follows the Chiefs, we could probably do, you know, speaking of bet online, if they had a line on this, you know, I bet Jeff that you or I or anybody who really follows these things closely, really, you know, good fans who really keep up on this stuff and keep up on the injuries, they're going to be able to, to come within, you know, maybe 
we'll call it on offense, they're going to be able to name day one, first game of the year, seven or eight of the 11 starters, Mm -hmm. probably even closer to nine, right? It's all those other positions that you have to start thinking about, right? And that's where, that's what happens at training camp. That's where those things are done. Who's going to make the roster? You know, is Nick Allegretti going to be on this team? He goes from, we talked about him last year a ton, Jeff, right? Stud, he played, he was his run blocking. He was aggressive. And now it's like, this is a guy now that, you know, he, he's got to fight for a roster spot. Now, now, you know, the, uh, you know, some of the injuries that are, that are, that have happened and, you know, maybe with, with LDT, you know, um, you know, see what happens with, with him coming back. But like with Kyle Long's injury, he's probably feeling a little bit better. So it's, it's that kind of, that's what I look, that's what I look for at training camp. Sorry to be so long winded about it, but those are some of the players and some of the things that I look at coming out of camp. Joe, that's a great list. And, you know, it's funny when I was preparing my list, um, for for the show of, p- of players that I really want to watch during training camp, you you hit the nail on the head with two of them that I had: uh, Mike Hughes, and Andre Baker, and and they're kind of they go together because there's a lot of similarities between them. Both former first round picks who flamed out of their kind of original spot, and will be really interesting to see. Andre Baker is a guy that a lot of people had projected that the Chiefs might draft in the first round um, if they had kept their their pick he he struggled with the Giants on the field off the field he had a lot of issues and then of course he had that big injury it'll be interesting to see if he's healthy and if just a scheme change and being under spags uh helps and then similarly uh Mike Hughes is very interesting uh for so many reasons same deal he showed flashes at uh with the Minnesota Vikings as a rookie but then he just had so many injuries he tore his ACL in 2018. Um, he actually played well against the Chiefs the next year in 2019, forcing a fumble, but then was placed on injured reserve with a neck injury and then injured reserve the next year again, too. So, so much of it, I'm really curious to see their health. Um, Mike Hughes is also an interesting story, Joe, because he he was almost – this shows kind of where the Vikings um, – what, what the Vikings thought of him and how much he had fallen off from being a first-round pick that he was traded along with a seventh-round pick to the Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. So almost like a, a straight swap, almost like a, just a straight release. And what's funny, too, is Rashad Breland, a former star with the Chiefs, was then signed signed with the Vikings. So you could almost say it's like a Mike Hughes-Bashad Breland deal. And again, both these guys, the Chiefs, Breland was they, – they probably didn't have a lot of a room, cap space that they wanted to allocate toward him. So it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, very interesting to watch Hughes and uh, DeAndre Baker and also Hughes and how he does versus how is Breland doing in the Vikings camp and see kind of how that – almost like a trade worked out. Yeah, Jeff, a lot of it's like, you know, you touched on it. It's like, it's, it's like environment, right? It's, 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 maybe it's the environment that some of these players need where they, you know, they, they come to a team and it's a part, you know, part of, you know, on the defensive side, you know, Coach Bagnola's uh, schemes, right? Does, does someone just fit better in certain types of positioning, you know, where he likes to play certain players and, and, and where he has them on the field? what kind of blitz packages and cover packages. And, you know, I think some players just really, you know, they just fit better into certain schemes 
and coaching philosophies, uh, the way that players play, you know, if they, if they want somebody to be more aggressive and, and they want, you know, they want players to be, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more thoughtful when they're out on the field, you know, you just, you just never know how somebody's going to fit into a scheme. So another thing that I think fans should really look at is are the new players, right? I mean, we don't, you know, we, we, you, you touched on the Patrick Mahomes thing, you know, we, we don't, there's a lot of players that we don't really need to, to Chris Jones, right? He, we know what he can do. Um, you know, we know what Tyreek Hill can do and those positions are so solid and Travis Kelsey, you know, the list goes on and on of the players that we, you know, we know what they can do and, and it's really, there's not a whole lot of fun in, in seeing those players at camp. It's fun to see them because I think when you go to a camp environment, especially if you're, if you're lucky enough to travel to camp and see and get into one of the, one of the practice to kind of see the players that intimately right on the field. I mean, I know that was always one of my favorite things about training camp was that interaction with the fans. So, so close, right? Cause the stadium is, can be such a, sometimes an impersonal place for, for players and fans. Um, you know, where you just you kind of like that distance right between the, the high walls of the stadium. And, uh, you know, you get out to training camp and you hear players in their environment. It's like if, if you're a golf fan, it's like going out to uh, to a practice round at one of the major tournaments. Right. The PGA where you just get to see the players in a different light. And you can hear them talk and, and the way they the camaraderie because you don't always get to see that on the field. So. Those, those players that are new are also ones, if I were a fan, I would dig a little deeper into as you're watching training camp unfold. You know, the players that are new to the system, how Those do they – Rookies or Jaron Reed coming over in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, even a, even a Jaron Reed, right? I mean, yeah, big-time free agent pickup, right? Uh, you know, uh, Joe Thune, huge free agent pickup, right? One of our biggest uh, of the offseason – even even the big pickups, like even the ones that are supposed to be shoe ins, you know, you still want to see how they fit in too, you know, because I think that's how, that's where you, you can start to watch the chemistry unfold at training camp and read, you know, read your articles and Forbes and and watch ESPN and you know go out to training camp if you're lucky enough to live close to a to an NFL training camp. Go out and and watch those new players and see how they're doing and how they're how they're kind of assimilating to a new philosophy, new coaching styles, new system. Uh, and, and again, even keeping your eyes on, keeping your eyes on the big ones, you know, the big players that were, were picked up in the off season. Joe, I've got another one for you that I, I'm really interested to see. And that's McCall Hardman. Um, mm -hmm. He's shown such great speed, shown flashes, big plays, not only uh, as a receiver, but on special teams. But, you know, he still needs to refine his route running a little bit, still drops maybe too many passes. Um, and I, I feel that he's made plays from his rookie year to his second year. But I, I didn't see that much difference uh, from him from his first to his second year. Now he's in his third year. And is he going to be the guy uh, now that Sammy Watkins is gone? And I know Sammy Watkins got hurt a lot, but he was still a threat, still a guy that might prevent you from – double covering uh, Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey because of that other threat and certainly was great in the postseason. So is McCall Hardman, is he ready to be that number two receiver? And I, I know Kelsey is really a number one or number two receiver, obviously, as a tight end, but but still you, you need to spread the field. Um, is he that guy? Is it going to be Demarcus Robinson? Is it going to be Byron Pringle? Is it going to be Cornell Powell? 
Yeah, I think I think the bat. You know, there's gonna there's gonna be some major battles. I think McCole Hardman has the leg up. I think uh-huh. um, just based on, you know, being in the system now, being at times, you know, kind of a go-to player to to be that check down or whatever that third tertiary third receiver that that Patrick looks for. I think he's got. You know, he obviously has has the chops for that, but I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be his make or break year, and, and I think this is a huge year for him. Um, and I think he, I think he can do it. I really do. I think maybe he just needs the chance. I, I don't think we're going to see whether or not it's training. You know, we're not going to see whether or not he's the guy at training camp because we're just not going to get, we're just not going to get that many looks. Right? It, it's going to have to be. You know, we've joked around about this before, right? That the September has become the new August, right? September is the new training camp, and and it's going to be those first several games um, where you know, and, and I, I think they can they can get a sense of it at practice, but you know, until you really light it up and put you know put the pads on and 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 the stadium lights come on on game day, like it's it's still hard to see how somebody's going to react to all that. And I think, I think that's going to be those first four weeks of the, of the regular season are going to be critical for Mercole to see if he is the guy I think he can be. And I think he, he will be at least going in, but you know, as you know, Andy Reid's not, you know, he's not afraid to play around a little bit, you know, especially on offense and, and Eric Bieniemy, the same. They're not afraid to play around a little bit with the chemistry and, and see how it goes. And he's still only uh, 23 years old. Uh, what's interesting about Hardman, too, you know, he's so young. He, he's done well the last couple seasons, exceeding 500 yards receiving. And it's really hard to tell because everyone looks good catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's the perfect situation. But this is really a critical season for him, for his kind of long-term, you know, anyone can do well, like we said, catching passes from Mahomes. But is he good enough that he's, he's now including this season, he's going to have two more years on his deal. Um, this is going to be the season to like, well, do they extend him? Do they give him a big contract? Or do they say, well, you know, he's, he's good, he's got flashes. But anyone can catch these deep passes, uh, from Mahomes. So I think it's going to be a big season, not only for the team, but for him in his career and, and for his finances. Yeah, definitely. And hey, you know, he's got Cornell Powell breathing right down his neck. I mean, you know, that's somebody that I think is is on, on a lot of people's watch list, right? I mean, I know he was, you know, a fifth round pick and I get that. Um, but, you know, and I don't know if there's expectations for him you know, I think as a fifth round pick short of, you know, doing something, you know, completely egregious, you know, out on the field or off the field, you know, I think he's, he's going to make the team and, and provide some depth along with, you know, with Byron Pringle, but, you know, let's see, you know, let, let's see if he, you never know, man, he could be, you know, Dave Zott, right. Seventh round pick, right. Flip flopped offense, defense at Penn state comes out, you know, becomes a starter, you know, his rookie season. Um, he could be the next Dave Zott, right? That just all of a sudden people say, "Hey, here's you know, here's a player that can play." He's got he's got a lot of veteran players to go to go up against, but maybe he's a player that you know we should be watching. You never know. There are those hidden gems in there that you have to you have to keep an eye out, especially you know when you get into injury time, 
right? Totally. People are, people are getting hurt. It's just, you know, crazy that, uh, you know, you have to start, you have to think about these players are such fine tuned machine machines these days that, you know, injuries, you know, they, they play into things almost immediately. And Powell, though he is a fifth round pick, has looked good during the offseason with the, the rookie camp, OTA, and uh, mini camp. Joe, before we sign off here, uh, just to wet, as we kind of continue to wet our appetites for training camp, leave us with just one more kind of training camp story back in the days, however you want to. Oh, uh, man. Kind of story you want to let, me, let me think if this is one that we've told already, and maybe I don't want to bore our listeners with one, but one of my favorite memories from training camp was every year it was a different battle with Coach Schottenheimer and the staff about what kind of transportation we were going to use. You know, when we first went up to River Falls, it was shuttles. You just, hey, everybody, you're riding the shuttle. Just, you know, just get on. Because the practice field was actually pretty far from the dorms. Um, no one ever brought their own golf carts. Uh, you know, like I, I remember Dallas, at the, uh, the Cowboys, I always used to see the, the players would rent these golf carts and they would drive them to, to camp or drive them to the field at camp. Um, and then one, one year we went to mopeds um, and, he, you know, Coach Schottenheimer let everybody rent mopeds. And then if you, everybody remembers back then the great Percy Snow incident, man, broke his leg uh, goofing around on it, not goofing around, but just like they were riding around. They weren't like just traveling to practice. And he, you know, he broke his leg and Percy was never the same. I mean, his, you know, he, he went to Chicago and, you know, he just, he lost some of his speed and things like that. And, you know, in the middle linebacker position, that was such a, such a sad, sad story. I felt so bad for Percy because, you know, everybody, look, everybody does things like that, right? You get a little moped, you're driving around, you're, you know, you're, you're riding the practice, you're in the parking lot and something like that happens. Um, and then we went to, to, to cars. Coach Schottenheimer let us rent cars. There was a local auto dealership there. And, um, I remember Joe Montana rented a car and, uh, he, uh, there was a, one time there was a, a young boy that was underneath of the car waiting for Joe Montana to come out of his dorm because he knew that it was Joe's car because he had seen him get out of it at, at the at the practice field. What car was, did Joe have? What, oh, you know, it, was, it was nothing to write home it, about. It, it wasn't like a Mercedes it was just, or No, no, it was just some car. There was, a, there was a car dealer up there in River Falls that used to lend and rent the players' cars, you know, for, the, for training camp. But okay. my favorite, my favorite though, Jeff – was the linebackers, it was my, it would have been, 19, I guess it was my rookie year, maybe it was 1992, I can't remember, because uh, whatever year Dino Hackett was still there, um, they bought a truck from a guy in, in town for like 500 bucks, right? It was an old beater pickup truck. I mean, this thing barely had four wheels, right? And, you know, you figure if you got five guys, six guys, right, hundred. that's like, 80 bucks a person, right? It was like cheap to have a, a mode of transportation for training camp, right? And then they spray painted this thing like Raider haters. Like they they took, they must have gone out and bought spray paint and they were spray painting, you know, Super Bowl bound, Raider haters, kill the Chargers, crush the Broncos. Like they painted, it was all, all spray painted up. And that thing, I used to worry because, you know, every once in a while I would, I would hop a ride with them, like Tracy Rogers, Dino Hackett, uh, you know, some of those guys that were in that linebacking core back then, Tracy Simeon. And, and they were like, they'd all pile in the back. And I'd be like, God, I hope I make it. Like, I, I hope this thing doesn't just come, this jalopy doesn't fall apart on our, on our way down to the field. But uh, I just remember that. And I remember them at the end of camp, they just 
they were walking, we're breaking camp and we're leaving the dorms, heading to the buses. All these fans are there. And I think it was either Dino Hackett or it might've been Tracy Rogers has the keys in their hand, sees this guy and is like, Hey, do you want that truck? He goes, I'd love that truck. He goes, whoop. And he dropped the keys right in his hand. He said, <laughs> That's awesome. Enjoy it. And he just walked away and left the truck there with the guy. So, so yeah. So, so, so training Derek, camp. Derek training had to be in the mix, right? Of some, cause Derek was always in the scene as a, as a linebacker. Was he a part of that truck? Derek was a bike guy. I remember Derek was, he liked to ride his bike. He, I think Derek yeah. always had his bike shipped up there. If okay. I'm not mistaken, I think Derek was a bike guy. Yeah, he, he used to ride. There was a couple. There was a couple of players, a couple of guys that used to have their bikes shipped up. Alan Wright used to coordinate that. Who's now the head equipment manager? He was one of. He was the assistant back then to Mike Davidson. He would he would secure some space on the travel vans uh, and the trucks going up to camp for some for for players who wanted to bring their bikes up. I've, if I'm not mistaken, I think Neil and Derek were were bike guys. Joe, that's a great story. Makes me can't wait for training camp to start. Yeah, me too, Jeff. I'm excited. Show, presented by Bet Online. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.